you know, I'd love to be in a world where anybody could find a camera and film or find a digital camera and an SD card and be able to take whatever photos they want to take. Same thing with music. I want everyone to be able to listen to and experience and talk about any kind of music they want. Welcome to episode 31 of The Flying Football, a platform dedicated to discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host, Aaron S, and today's episode is the first part of my interview with the amazing Trent Loder. Trent is a film photographer based in Portland, Oregon, who started his career during the COVID-19 pandemic. Trent's work is about the exploration of his environment, and he often shoots mundane images that present a sense of quiet and cinematic intrigue. I had a great time talking to Trent, and I really hope you enjoy this conversation too. So um, let's start where I start with every single interview. This is the 31st interview, which is nice. It's like a random number. So the 31st time, I guess. So yeah, so I'm going to start by just asking you, um, tell us a bit about yourself and how you became a photographer. Okay. Um, About myself, I just, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. I live here still. Uh, I'm 25. I just turned 25, like a week ago. And so I'm... Yeah, most most of the time I'm just working. Um, I work for a coffee company. I work in a in production, uh, so I'm in a warehouse every day, kind of just managing, bagging and shipping and stuff like that. And I really love that kind of work. Um, I was a barista for almost four years, and that was fun too. But now that <clears throat> you know, after the pandemic hit, it's kind of nice to be away from the general public just kind of with my own team. I know that we're all being safe and everything. And actually the pandemic is really what kind of uh, started me being interested in photography. Um, Cause most of my hobbies were like group related activities. I, I play a lot of basketball and I skateboard and I like to go to the movies and like none of that stuff was really happening. Um, <clears throat> so uh, for I've had cameras for a really long time, um, film cameras uh, for a really long time, just because, I don't know, I think my parents both had some and they've always just been in my collection. But I don't think it was really until the pandemic started that I was like, man, this is a really good way for me to get outside and not be around people. And it's very um, deliberate and slow, which is a lot different than I don't know, 90% of my life is like very hectic and go, go, go. Um, So yeah, I picked up a camera, um, just like a 35 millimeter, something that everyone would start out with and um, just started walking around my neighborhood, um, driving around Portland. Portland is a really interesting city in that it's, um, it's very, it's big. I mean, it's, it's the biggest city in Oregon. and it's and it's dense and it's definitely popular it's getting more popular every year more people move here but it's still hasn't hit the point where it feels like a big city it's very neighborhoodly and and slow i feel like for being so densely populated so exploring portland is really interesting cuz you know one side of the street can be uh, like downtown Portland where it's, you know, businesses and everything's popping off. And then the other side of the street is like 
dead silent at 8 p.m. It's all the lights are off at eight and everyone goes to bed. <laughs> so it, it's really interesting. And that was kind of where I got the inspiration for my photography from was just walking around and kind of noticing like pretty mundane things and stuff that I've seen every day that I've lived here, but that I think are for that reason are very comforting. So that's kind of where I got into photography was just being interested in my city, the people in it, the businesses, the architecture. And now I just can't stop going outside and walking around with a camera. So how interesting that that's so fascinating that it was actually the pandemic that kind of spurred that yeah um that's really interesting also it's kind of funny because it's like in a time where you're not meant to go outside and you have to stay in you were like oh actually let's use this to go outside yeah and um, it kind of actually is really nice mm -hmm. yeah it was a, it was a definitely a balance between i mean i take the pandemic very seriously i <laughs> of course yeah uh, oh yeah of course. I'm very very careful um and that's why most of my photography uh at the beginning was nighttime photography when no one else is out and actually that's the photography i love most is when i can really slow down it takes you know 15 seconds to expose one shot by the way i only shoot film i don't know if i mentioned that but um i only shoot film so it's it's very like like i said it's very deliberate and slow paced and um but yeah the the pandemic was you know pretty much every day if I wasn't at work I was sitting inside and trying to be safe and entertain myself and then as soon as 10 o'clock would hit I would pack up my camera bag and start walking around and yeah the definitely was I don't know if I would have ever done that because at 10 p.m before the pandemic I was probably still at the skate park or still at the movie theater or something like that but yeah, given the the opportunity and the time to actually get outside and just like be by myself, that was like really what I needed to actually start using the cameras I had. I think that's really fascinating how you kind of just started and now you're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, because I think the hardest thing to do in any kind of career is dying. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of really fascinating that that was kind of the impetus for you to start it. And I think you're probably the third photographer actually a third film photographer who shoots at night that I've interviewed, um, which is quite nice because there's a lot of similarities and differences between your work and the others. And it's kind of, it's something that I'm very conscious of that I really, really like mm -hmm. um, to ask, you know, um, which is really interesting and kind of like, why is it about the nighttime that interests you in terms of your night images? I think the nighttime really interests me because, you know, we were talking just a second ago about, you know, you, you get up at 4am and get out, you know, at work at six. I've always been the same way where I'm an early bird. I go to bed early. I, I just like have always been, uh, I've been, I've always been that way where I, the daytime is really where I get most of my stuff done. And nighttime has always been kind of a thing where, you know, once it's nighttime, I kind of want to be inside and like with a book or watching a film or watching a TV show with my partner, with my dog. But like, so I never really got to, unless I was at a concert or a movie or something, I never really like had an interest in just like being outside or at night. Like it just didn't interest me. But the more that I started to see the things that I would drive by every morning at 9am or whatever, on my way to work, um, in like a different setting when everything is quiet and there's nobody out and the lighting is 
completely different. It's all ambient. It's more cinematic. There was something about that, that image or those visuals of those subjects that were just like, that's so much more interesting than like when the sun is hitting it perfectly to me. Like, I like to see how dark the shadows get around. Like my, the, the image I'm thinking of in my head when I say this is there's a gas station. This is such a cliche for film photography, but there's a gas station that was a couple blocks from my last apartment. And um, every morning it had this old car outside and it has a big car wash sign. And every morning I would drive by it and I was like, that's a ratty looking car and a ratty looking car wash. It doesn't really look that good in the daytime. I mean, someone might be able to take a great picture of it right now, but I don't think I would be able to capture what is really cool about it. But at nighttime, something about how the light off the car wash sign, big neon red car wash sign and the colors of this big white flowering tree and this old car there's just something about the way that light, ambient light plays shadows, especially at night, that just makes everything feel more like you're in the middle of a, a movie. Like, and I am probably my biggest inspiration with photography is cinemato cinematography. Um, like if I watch a really great film and it has great cinematography, it makes me want to go outside and try to recreate that with with the means that I have, obviously I don't have a great big <laughs> film yeah. rig or anything like that, but I do have a camera and a tripod and a shutter release and that's all you really need to make night photography. Yeah, so yeah, that definitely is just like the, the combination of quiet and, and very like, um, obviously it's slow. It's night photography. So it's all long exposure. So quiet focused slow but then also with these really cinematic results like i just felt like you you feel like your energy is being put into like a really cool image with night photography not to say that it's not with daytime but with daytime it's so easy to be like that's cool that's cool that's cool and you're yeah. not really thinking so much about like how do i frame this perfectly because it's going to take me like five minutes to get it right <laughs> That's actually a really good consideration because I never, I'm a photographer myself. Yeah. I've never shot film. Um, I don't think I've ever shot film. I did obviously at school, I did and stuff like that, right. but like not, not actively. Mm -hmm. um, and the more I look at film photographers and the more I look at, at film generally, I kind of, I'm kind of understanding that there's a lot more, you put more of yourself into it, I guess, because, you know, you, it is the time and it's also the cost. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, it's not an easy process. Yeah, it's definitely... And could you talk a bit... Yeah, could you talk a bit about the process, actually? Yeah, the, uh, I guess... So the other thing about the work that I do is I, I don't... I don't know if I ever intend to, like, make a career so much out of photography. If I was ever in a position to, I'd be very grateful to do so. But I don't know if I ever would because the the process and from start from buying film to to scanning it in and editing or or sending raw files to somebody, putting it on Instagram, whatever I end up doing with it, that whole process is very like therapeutic for me. And I don't know if I would ever want to not muck it up. But I don't know if I would ever want to like 
put the uh, element of like a deadline or like anything like that into that because, you know, my process is really just like, okay, I want to try a new film stock or try a new camera. I'm not, uh, I'm definitely not, uh, I'm definitely a little bit of a gearhead. I'm not like so much where it's like, I got to try this camera and I got to get this and stuff. One, I don't really have the money to be doing that, but two, it's, uh, I find it like if I fall in love with one thing, that's what I'm going to want to use. And for right now I have felt fell in love with one kind of like setup, but basically if I want to try a new film, I go to one of the three really cool camera shops in Portland that sell film still. And, you know, I like to talk to people in the shop and figure out uh, what they think, or I read a lot of reviews and watch a lot of YouTube videos. Cause I am just kind of like a, a learner more than anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get some film. I'll grab my camera. Everything from that point on is like something that I really enjoy doing. I love just the simple, like tactile things, like loading a camera with film. Like there, there's something about like the feeling of like a, a little mechanism in my hands that I can like kind of mess with and alter and stuff like that part of it is super pleasing to me. And then with night photography, especially like getting it on the tripod, setting up the tripod in the right spot, getting focus, right. Taking light reader meterings and, uh, and making sure that everything's lined up, right. Like that whole process can take for one shot. It can take up to 15 minutes if I'm like being really careful about it. And, uh, and that's all every part of that 15 minutes is like an enjoyable experience for me. Not to mention the, the bulk of the process is just being in my car or walking around my neighborhood. <laughs> like it really is just like putting music on. I'm obsessed. Obviously my, the podcast I run is music is music focus. And, um, but music is other than, you know, film or something like that is probably the most like inspira- inspiring piece of media that I can kind of tap into. And I'm almost never not listening to music. If I'm out taking photos, I either have it on my car in my earphones or whatever. But that whole part of the process is so relaxing and at times relaxing and at times invigorating that, you know, that whole process is something that I wouldn't ever really want to like, have to like position myself for somebody else. I do do commission work, like some portraits and stuff. I know that's like a lot of the photography I've seen on your, your Instagram is portraiture. And I have so much respect for portrait photographers because as much as I love people and I've met some really cool people doing portraits, you can't be as slow (laughs) as I am doing portraits. So, you know, it's fun. And I'm glad that the people I've worked with are like, they get it. They get that it's film and they get that I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to it. And they allow me to work really slow, but I don't know if I could ever like take on a lot of portrait work because I would, I would just feel bad the whole time. No, I think it could actually. That's what we're going to talk about later. It's not bad to talk to you okay. about because um, I really want to talk about your portraits because they are very, very interesting. Like they're very interesting. And um, I think it's, it could go very, very well for you. I think. 
um, judging what you've already done. But we'll get into that later. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 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 when you go out, do you have an idea what you want to shoot before you go out, or is it just a case of of what you find? Um, occasionally, I mean, I, I definitely. I'm always, I'm probably a scary driver because when I'm driving around anywhere, <laughs> I'm like keeping an eye out for something I want to take a photo of. Um, so occasionally I'll like log it in my notes on my phone or something like, oh, I should go back there at night and see what that looks like. Um, but most of the time, no, I, I would say like 80% of the time that I'm taking photos, I'm either just on a car ride or walking my dog or, you know, going to a restaurant or something and bless my partner she's great she allows me to like you know drive down the street and be like oh shit i gotta take a photo of that so i like pull over and she just like sits in the car while i That's take great. a photo um yeah i wouldn't say i really pre-plan a lot of stuff it's a lot of like spontaneous photos so but that's really interesting that it grips you so much that you have to stop and take a oh yeah like that's really interesting from never having done it before and to not really being interested to now you kind of, you see the word in a different way. And I guess actually that moves nice to a question that I thought I'd add to your list is do you think that being an artist gives you a new, your unique perspective on the world? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I think, I don't know. I, I would say, yeah, but I, I don't, I say I have a unique perspective on the world. I don't know if it's necessarily um, because I'm an artist. I think everybody has a very unique perspective, um, whether they consider themselves an artist or not. I don't know if I, I probably only considered myself an artist, you know, 11 months ago or whatever. <laughs> so, and I don't know if my perspective on the, well, actually now I'm thinking about it, maybe it has. Uh, I do feel like I see a lot of, um, I don't know if beauty is the right word because I don't only capture photos because I think they're beautiful. I do think I notice the potential of how interesting a scene could look in my everyday life more so than the average person. Like, I don't know if a lot of people are like driving around and noticing like a dumpster on the side of the street underneath a sign and being like, that could be a really interesting photo. They're probably just thinking like, wow, that smells bad. I don't want to be near it anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I have an interest, I think I have an interesting or different perspective on, um, on subject matter, the world, I feel like, you know, there's so much that goes into the world um, that, you know, I'm not sure if being an artist has, makes me have a different perspective, but maybe just, you know, being myself, which I feel like comes across in my art, um, or my photography, like, I think that is unique enough as it is, but I don't know. That was, okay. that was kind of a weird answer. No, but... no, 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 that was a great answer. That's an absolute great answer. And I, the reason I said that is because, you know, yes, there's, you know, there's one thing to stop and look at something and be like, okay, this would be cool, a cool image. There's another to actually go back and take it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you must have a very good kind of, understanding of some of, of that's what you want you feel like very compelled to go and shoot it oh yeah and i think that that makes me really curious because it's like you could have just walked past it or that's you true. know it could just be like yeah cool okay i'll deal with it later and you don't you go back to it maybe a month but you actually decide to go back to it there and then mm -hmm. like that's really interesting that's why i was like do you have a unique perspective because you know you could walk past that at any time of the day 
and you're going to be like, oh, that'll make a good image. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. That's just, that's not really interesting about the compulsion. To yeah. I mean, I, I think that that is kind of, uh, that's actually an interesting point because I do find myself to be a pretty compulsory person. I, I do, I'm kind of not an, not a instant reward kind of person. Like, cause then it, I, I don't know. That's a weird term to me. Like, but I am a kind of person that like, if I do something, I kind of want to see the results quickly, which has always kind of like interested me about myself because I'm not sure why I picked up film photography. Then it's really slow. Yeah, I was say. <laughs> it's really slow and delayed <laughs> and expensive. And those are not things that are conducive to like an instant reward. So I'm not really sure why I went that route, but, and I, I, you know, I have a digital camera and I've used it for a couple of things. It's not a good quality one at all. Um, I use it probably most for taking light readings than anything else. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do find myself to be kind of just in most areas of my life. Like if I do something, I kind of want to know what the result is quickly. Of course. Uh, but photography, again, that's kind of one of the things that I find therapeutic about it is it's not that way. It's very, uh, it's very slow and the anticipation is great. Like I, I love taking my stuff to the lab to get processed. Luckily I have a great lab that can process my stuff same day and I do all my own scanning. So I can have everything done within two days, but it, it is very like when I'm sitting and just thinking of what I've taken while it's getting processed, that is like a really like also fun part of the process for me is just like thinking about, you know, did these even come out well, if they didn't like, that's fine. The experience was still there. I still got to take these photos, which is, you know, a good chunk of the experience. Um, the photos are great. I don't really do anything with them. I'm a, I don't know. You're probably going to ask me this later, but, <laughs> but I, I don't really have like many plans for these photos. I just kind of like, that's why I know that so much of it is about the process. And that's the main reason why I take them is because most of these photos will just end up on like Instagram, maybe. And if not, they're just sitting in my Lightroom or whatever, like waiting to be edited. But yeah, I don't know. No, but that and that is a question I want to ask you later. Or at least I'll come around to like around the outskirts of. But like that's really, really interesting because for you, it's about the process rather than the mm -hmm. actual final result necessarily. Um, and that's very interesting because you, I don't meet many people who... I mean, I do with film photography. Yes, I think film photography, you kind of have to enjoy the process because it's such a process to create. Right. You know, if you don't like it, you're in the wrong kind of, you know, career if you fancy it. Um, but that's kind of interesting that the process is just as important as a final result because I don't know if for like traditional artists like painters, it's the same way. Right. Um, or at least not for everybody. I know for a lot of people it is, but maybe not for everybody. So that's quite interesting. So how do you avoid, because you said earlier about the cliche, the gas station. <laughs> So how do you actually avoid kind of cliche work? Because, you know, your work fits into a very nice niche. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, with any artistic medium, there's cliches. It's like music, film, painting, whatever you do, there's going to be cliches. And, every, and, you know, a lot of people are going to tell you to avoid them. In skateboarding, there's cliches. And I've been skating for most of my life there's, and everyone's going to tell you to avoid them. And, you know, 
I don't necessarily think that like any work, uh, photography or otherwise is like less valuable because they fall into those, you know, those pigeonholes or those pitfalls. I don't think that's like a less valuable piece of work for that reason only. Like, in fact, I almost feel like to ignore everybody saying, you know, that's, that's a cliche is like more original than to be like, Oh, that is a cliche. Like, and so sometimes I do do it. Like sometimes I'll pull up to a gas station with Cinestill 800 and everyone's like always told me on YouTube, on Instagram, like everyone's doing that. Like you're not original. And it's like, but I like doing it. So like, I feel like it's more original to ignore you than to just be like, yeah, you're right. Like, so, but I will say that like, that's not the aim of my work is not just to be like, you know, screw everyone that's told me not to do anything if I like the scene or like, I think it'll be fun to shoot, I'm going to take, I'm going to go for it. Cause I just think like whether or not it ends up on Instagram or people like it, or it goes into a, a zine or something in the future or gets submitted to something like the flying fruit bowl or anything like that. That's not really the point. The point was to take the photo and like, you know, if, whether it's a classic car, that's the biggest one with film photography. I feel like it's, yeah. it's the classic car thing. I love taking pictures of cars. Like I said, I'm not super comfortable with portraiture, but I want a subject in my photo and let, you know, an environmental thing or whatever. A car is a great subject. It can't move because normally, I mean, if it's parked, it can't move. It poses for you very easily. You just move around it <laughs> and it's beautiful. Like I think cars are engineering, you know, masterpieces. I think they're some of the most beautiful pieces of art that are surrounding us. and. Uh, whether it's a cliche or not, like, I think it'll make a cool photo and it, it's not going to be for everybody, but neither is anything. So I, I don't really like the cliche thing is interesting to me. It's almost more fun to just ignore it and, and go for it anyway. And I would really urge anybody that does film photography or any photography at all to just shoot whatever you want to shoot. Like I, you know, my, my big thing that I, I don't think I would ever, you know, dive into is like street photography in the sense of like documentation style street photography. Yeah. That's like something that I respect and I find so interesting. And most of my photo books are of that kind of stuff, but I don't think that I would ever do that because it's so fast paced. I don't like being in people's space. If I don't have to, I don't like to, uh, you know, have a confrontation from somebody who didn't want their photo taken or anything like that, yeah. or like assume that anyone wants their photo taken um that's not like something that i would ever want to do and there's cliches in that too people do them all the time but it's still interesting so i don't know just i just shoot whatever i want to shoot and if it's cliche cool <laughs> that's that's great yeah i think that's actually an absolutely great way to think about it because i think you can become so lost trying to not do everything that people are telling you what to do and it's just like absolutely. you want to be able to just go and enjoy yourself because that's what you're here to do right um and i think you know maybe also because you don't have the pressure of having it as a career it kind of also helps because you know it's not like you're not like oh i have to create work that's going to pay the bills yeah um and i think that's something you should consider i think you could easily i think every, I, which i know is so easy for me to say um <laughs> but i think you're very much could easy i think you know yeah i think you could i really do think you could i mean if you wanted to you could but then it depends on you really because you're putting the work in mm -hmm. but i can definitely see you having a career i definitely could oh well that's um, I, you know, I've always thought about it. 
I, I'd love to do something artistic as a career. I like at the end of the day, like, like I said, if I was ever in that position to be able to make that happen, I would at least be like eternally grateful to whatever, you know, higher force if there is one put me in that position. I would be grateful to myself too, that I, you know, kept at it, but yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, a side gig or something like that would be fun. I also like feel like most of any commissioned work that I would do is something revolving around portraits of musicians. That's like the thing that yeah. if I do take portraits, it's usually people who are artistically like musically gifted. Um, and the thing about that is like, I'm not, I don't know. I, I always feel weird with it whenever there's like an exchange of any money or anything like that. I feel weird because yeah. it's something I love to do and I, I don't want to like commodify that or make anyone think like, I'm only want to shoot you because you're going to give me money to do it. Everyone I've shot so far and everyone I will shoot is somebody that I just like have also just loved getting to know and like love hanging out with. Yeah. So that's like hard enough, just as a personal thing, hard enough for me to be like, all right, give, give me the money now. <laughs> it's always weird to me, but you know, that's something you got to be comfortable with if you are going to be in the, in the profession. But that is a very good point that I think people actually don't talk about enough is kind of like the confidence to ask for money first and foremost, just feel like just straight up right. the confidence to ask. And the second to kind of have that self value that, you know, you're worth yeah. having, you know, being paid to create work because in today, like things aren't cheap, you know, no. you can't afford to rent equipment with no return. Right. Um, I think we live in a society where there's a lot of people that expect things for free, unfortunately. Um, and I just think that's actually a really good kind of consideration. And I think it's not something that I should not say that I've touched on with a lot of ice that I should probably should. Um, so I'm going to be writing that down for each question. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but also just something just to think about in terms of careers, like the, the reason I said about your a career for you is because you're at this, you're at like this time point. Um, so you've got like a really, you're at like a really nice crossroads where you can go left or right. Mm -hmm. You can make it just a side gig. You can make it something you just do for fun, or you can make a career into it. And you kind of, you get to kind of, you're really like in a way you're lucky because you get yeah. to choose. No, I definitely see that. And I, I almost feel like if that was ever something that I would want to, you know, be able to make maybe not a living, but just any kind of, uh, you know, income off of, I feel like the, the, the medium that I would probably have the most fun with and would still be true to like the kind of work I like to do would be something revolving around like print, like books, prints, zines, whatever. That stuff is, you know, design on top of photography are, those are two things that I just like love to do. Um, the problem with that is that it's very expensive to get things printed. Yeah. So, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, it's not out of the question. I'd love to make like a little booklet or a zine or something someday. If, if anything, 20 copies for me and my friends just to have like, you know, in their, in their bookshelf. But, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've struggled with this like question before. And like, um, it's not, you know, I, I would love to be in the position to be able to do this, but I don't know. Right now it's think, completely just a hobbyist thing. And I, I you know, I just love doing it. I think, but there's also the question of like, how much do you invest in this idea that could become right. fruitful, but it also could not. It's kind of like, you have to kind of be a bit like, oh, do you really want to put money into it? Right. Or do you not put me into it? Because it's like, it could go either way. You know, it's very much like me and the flying fruit ball. It's like, 
like how much money do you want to put into it? Yeah. Because what's going to happen in the future, you don't know. Like it, it might go, it might be great, it might not be great. You just don't know. Um, I think that's so. It's really that's interesting. fun though. Like that's fun to weigh those options. Oh, yeah. Like it's exciting to like think about. <laughs> this sounds like super cynical or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Self destructive, but it's exciting to think about. Like, what if this fails? Like, you know. <laughs> honestly i'm the kind of person that like if i did go into this and it failed i would probably just start something else i would just i would just want to do something else like yeah um but no it's like with the podcast that we run like you know i haven't put any money into that podcast and and my co-host i don't think he's you know other than having the equipment which i think he got most of his stuff from his father who's a, a radio dj like I don't think that he's put much money into it either. It's solely been, you know, as successful as it is, which is relative, but as successful as it is solely just off of like, you know, we're friendly people that like people want to come on the show and talk to us and, and, you know, chop it up about music. Like that's really what it's been. That's the kind of thing where it's like personalities and stuff in business. Like it's very important to like, make sure you're uh approachable and you know people want to work with you uh at the end of the day all the stuff that i've done with other people has been solely because they've heard that i'm just like a easy person to work with and you know and they've all been incredible people to work with and i've learned a lot and uh i have a i have a you know you've only seen my instagram but i have a lot of portrait work that i have done recently that has not been posted um because it'll be you know for you know, whatever album rollouts or whatever in the future for these yeah, guys. Course, yeah. But, yeah. So let's talk a bit about your podcast and then I want to yeah, get yeah. back to your portraits. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, tell us about podcast. the podcast. Yeah. The podcast is, man, I'm trying to think of when we started it. We started it well before the pandemic. It was, uh, the podcast is called the Bridge City Boys Presents the New Music Monday podcast. It's a mouthful. Uh, but we kind of wanted it to be that way because, you know, we want people who are really interested to to watch it. We don't want, not that we, we want everyone to listen and watch it, but the people that are really interested, if you can't even read the whole title, like you probably don't want to <laughs> listen to the podcast. It's like two hours long an episode. So, uh, but yeah, Bridge City Boys presents the New Music Monday podcast. Essentially, it's me and my best friend from uh, high school, uh, Devon, uh, and we just chop it up about new music that comes out. We 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 both have like pretty eccentric tastes in music. I'd say we probably lean most into hip hop, but uh, you know we we listen to everything and like um, <clears throat> you know we go on Spotify on Fridays and Tuesdays. That's when the new music hits, and like pretty much that whole day will just be us like listening to music, texting back and forth. And just like figuring out what we want to talk about. Cause we could talk, like you said, you, you had a four hour long podcast. Me and Dev could probably talk for, you know, eight hours about music. Like that's yeah, how close we are and how much we love music. Um, and then, so that'll be like, usually we'll have a portion that's like just talking about new music. And then most weeks we'll have a portion with an interview guest or somebody, a friend that does music or does art we've had activists in portland we've had um we almost had a mayoral candidate on one time but she had to she had to run right before 
Um, but yeah, we just talk about anything. Like it can be about their music. It could be about the music we listen to. It can be about, you know, different endeavors. We could talk about basketball. We just talk about anything. And uh, most of the time it comes full circle and we'll end up talking about music again. But uh, that's kind of the beauty of the podcast. We really feel like it's more of a, more of a, well, okay. Back in the day, we we were in this thing called the hip hop club. It was a, you know, lunchtime club at our high school and it was me and dev and probably 10 or so other people and we would literally just be sitting in there put some hip-hop on the speakers in one of our teachers rooms just start talking and eating lunch just talking about music and that kind of like really uh low maintenance and uh comfortable style of just like talking about anything was really how we wanted the podcast to be. We just wanted to be with people who were also doing music or doing other creative things um, rather than just like some random dudes in our high school. Uh, And that's really what I feel like it is. People come on and, you know, they expect it to be super formal, us to have like a million questions lined up. And almost every time it'll just be like, yo, what'd you do today? (laughs) What are you up to? What music are you making? What did you like about this album? And it ends up always just becoming like a really casual conversation. So that's the the podcast. That podcast is actually being, well, you mentioned obligatory. Obligatory is kind of a separate thing. Um, Me and Dev both are part of it, but it is a kind of like we wanted to do a music review platform that was kind of in the same vein as Metacritic in the sense that it was kind of an aggregate community kind of scoring system and review system. But we wanted to combine that community element with something that a Metacritic doesn't have, which is like a staff or like, I don't know, you could call us professional uh, reviewing uh, kind of rubric. We wanted to combine those things so that you got <clears throat> three scores, the obligatory score, which is the combined score, and then a community and a staff score. And that way you could kind of see like, okay, like a lot of people go into an album or, or any, or a track or any th- type of music purely off of word of mouth. Somebody saying like, oh, this thing was awesome. Oh, this thing sucked. Well, we wanted to be like you go on obligatory and you get a very concise full spectrum of like what was the overall feeling of this like overall review of this album or this song or whatever it is um and on top of that we do interviews we do like discography rankings we did a like we did a radiohead discography ranking that was just took everyone forever to listen to every album. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. I love Radiohead. So it worked out for me, but, um, but yeah, we just really wanted to kind of put together a, this is purely on Instagram right now. We've been working on a website for a long time. And the reason why I bring up obligatory is because obligatory is in the process of absorbing our podcast so that we can kind of become like Obligatory can become more of like a multimedia kind of thing where, you know, if you don't like reading a blog, 
listen to the podcast. If you don't like listening to a podcast, we'll have a YouTube channel and we'll try to get as many yeah. forms of media out as possible so that, you know, as many people have access. That's another big thing about pretty much anything for me is like, I want to live in a world where, you know, this is a pipe dream, but I want to live in a world where, you know, everybody has access to the same resources or same information, same interests if they want to get into it. And sadly, you know, like photography is a thing that's very gate kept and very hard to get into because it's expensive. And, um, you know, I'd love to be in a world where anybody could find a camera and film or find a digital camera and an SD card and, be able to take whatever photos they want to take. Same thing with music. I want everyone to be able to listen to and experience and talk about any kind of music they want to. And that's not always the case. So that's kind of where obligatory stands. We just want it to be accessible and fun and easy and concise and complete. Those are like the main things we want. But so that's the podcast and obligatory, which will soon be one thing. Yeah. (laughs) So that's really fascinating that music is kind of like another kind of hobby slash kind of another passion for you yeah. and like you've actually managed to kind of really nicely merge the two um but also mm-hmm. like as i'm well aware like running a podcast is not easy like how have you found the experience though? you know honestly i've been very thankful to be kind of you know my position on the podcast is mostly that of fly on the wall uh co-host I, you know, and I, I occasionally reach out to people, get interviewee, interviewees on, and um, most people are just down. I mean, if we tell them what we're doing, most people are like, that sounds great. That sounds fun. Like, um, scheduling is probably the hardest part, and I'm sure you know that. I mean, actually, you you are far more <laughs> uh, organized than we ever are. We don't even know what we're doing today. I guess we know what we're doing today. We don't know what we're doing next week, so, um, but Dev is like, obviously he's my, my best friend, but Dev is also just like one of those people that his uh, drive and his like passion for something, if he gets interested in it, it's like, it's impossible to slow him down. Like, and you wouldn't want to, cause he's very good at everything he picks up. So when he started pitching the podcast idea to me, I was like, Oh, that sounds super fun. Like when you want to get started, he's like, well, I just got the mixer and the mic and the headphones and I got everything set up. Like I already got it. (laughs) And I was like, so what do you need me to do? He's like, I need you to show up. (laughs) So that's really been my position on the podcast is just kind of show up. You know, if we don't have a guest, me and Dev can carry a podcast. No problem. If we do have a guest, uh, it's easier for a person to talk to two people. I feel like than it is to talk to one sometimes. So Cause a lot of the times it'll just be me and dev rapping and then some, another person just kind of like hanging out with us. So it's just like, it's like I said, we wanted that communal fe- feeling in the pod. So uh, that's been my position. It's very easy, low maintenance. Dev is on top of everything and I'll, I'll help out when I need to. Um, if he needs me to, to organize some stuff or to get some uh, album ideas or some, anything that's you know in my power that I can do I'll obviously do it because I love the podcast and want it to succeed but yeah I I honestly like I know how difficult it is to to do the podcast because I have witnessed Dev put in countless hours and like be sitting there editing and 
yeah. for you know for a long twice as long as we actually listened or actually talked, he'll be editing. And then on top of that, to he chops everything up into clips and puts them on YouTube and Instagram. And he is a one dedicated dude. And I, yeah. So I, I know viscerally how hard it is. I, I haven't experienced it. <laughs> Definitely. And it's, it's great. Um, him and everyone at obligatory are like very, supportive of any other endeavors that people want to do we have a guy implicatory that's like his he started reviewing music because he started collecting vinyl so his vinyl collection is immense and he has a youtube page uh called uh man the vinyl corner shout out the vinyl corner it's uh jared and i think another guy um anyway they have a youtube page that's pretty successful for being just like you know somebody i know you know like it's kind of weird to see somebody i know have like even uh 1500 subscribers or something that's really cool to me but um but like people like him people like me that obviously have other passions and stuff dev on the podcast obligatory staff just as a whole is really like they want us to be they want everyone to be successful and have fun with what they're doing and if that means like you know, I just be a fly on the wall for the podcast because I'm also, you know, have to scan 60 photos in and the scanner takes like 10 minutes a a strip. Like, obviously it takes a lot of time. They understand that like, that's something we like to do. And, and that's what allows me to be, you know, kind of just sitting in the corner and hanging out for the podcast rather than being so engrossed in it. Like someone like Deb is, um, which I'm super thankful for because it, it allows me to have a lot of different hobbies and opportunities that I have to like be able to do all these different things. Yeah. And it's really nice that it kind of, they all kind of tie together in some kind of yeah. way. And uh, yeah, I definitely go back to musicians and um, your kind of portraiture that you're starting to shoot. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's really fascinating because um, I just think that I actually don't see it and I, I probably do but not in the same way like I don't see a lot of portraiture in film photography that's not like kind of the quote-unquote I guess comes back to cliches like artistic photography mm-hmm. um I don't really see that many actual portraits in film now I'm thinking about it I actually don't really yeah because I normally see you know stuff like it's mainly like landscapes and places and cinematic night shots mm-hmm. um all of which I absolutely love but um yeah, like you don't really see portraits and kind of like, how did you come to start photographing musicians? All right. Uh, well, the first, the first person to reach out to me about <clears throat> portraits was, well, actually, okay. So the first person I shot portraits for was my partner. Um, she is a ceramicist, uh, an amazing ceramicist if I can give a shout out, shout out hotel ceramics. She, uh, she does a lot of like, you know, practical use, like homeware mugs, stuff like that. But I think that she does some very, she makes it look like art, which I I think is incredible. Anyway, she won, uh, she was doing an interview for like a publication. And I said, well, why don't you just let me shoot you some portraits? Cause they wanted a couple of photos. And so, uh, so I took some photos for her and that, that was kind of the moment where I realized like, you know, I've been too scared to take portraits before. It's also hard to like, kind of just like put your, put feelers out there to see like, 
like who do I ask for if they want portraits done? Like that's kind of random to me. Um, but I realized in taking those photos because I knew that I wanted them to be something she could use for this publication, but I also wanted them to be something that felt like my photos. A lot of like portraits yeah. that I see in film are done in a way where it's meant almost to look not like film. Like they, they almost, you know, yeah. you use a low ISO, you use a flash, you're indoors, you have the whole studio set up and that's fine. Like you get some very beautiful photos that way. Um, but like, I always, you know, people talk about the film look, <laughs> it's like a big thing. Um, you know, I don't shoot film necessarily for that reason, but it's definitely not, it doesn't hurt. Like I, I like the film look, whatever that means. And, uh, and so when I was taking her portraits, I kind of realized like, I can take these environmental portraits, something that's not done in a studio, something that's done outdoors or in your work studio at your wheel. Um, and that can be, they can be done in a way that's clearly something you can use for these photos, but something that looks like something I would do. And so I did that shoot. She seemed like she really liked them. I loved them. I thought they were, you know, whether or not that's because they're of her or not. Uh, I love them. And um, so I kind of was like, hey, I want to, I think I posted on my story once, like, if anybody wants, you know, like a free portrait session, like, I just want to get better at it. And a couple of people reached out. Uh, I sh shot a couple photos that were cool. I never used them for anything. I just sent them for them. And I think they're like, their profile picture or something, which is fine. Like I, whatever you want to use it for, that's the point. Um, but then the first person that reached out to me about getting portraits done for a specific project was the ones that I just posted last night for my friend, Josh, um, who, you know, I wasn't super close to him before that, but we had talked a couple of times about music. I think he had been lined up to come on the podcast at one point, And I think that kind of fell through, but so he reached out to me. He was like, I love your work. I have, you know, you don't do a lot of portraits, so I don't know how they would turn out, but I think we could do something really cool that would fit the kind of aesthetic or the vibe of my album that I'm putting out in August. And we shot these back in, I think the end of June, but so we went out, took some photos. Uh, and yeah, I was like very surprised with how, how easily the like environmental style of my photos kind of worked with us you know I don't think they'll work for everybody like I don't think the portrait the kind of portraits I do will work for everybody but I think if you have a solid direction with a project you're working on or an idea you have for these photos I think that I could do something really cool with the environments that I like to shoot a lot of the photos that I took for him were around dusk or nighttime uh kind of in a part of the portland where it's there's a lot of like neon and a lot of uh fluorescent you know tungsten lighting and stuff and so we just kind of drove out there and started walking around the streets and anytime i saw something cool i was like yo go stand over there and let me position you in a way that would look cool and and then from there i've had a, like three or four more sessions with other people that have been similar ideas where it's just like, send me, you know, send me an idea of what you're working on. Like whether it's a demo, it, it can be something as simple as, you know, a small collection, a lookbook basically of 
things that you feel like represent your your album or your track or whatever and you know from there i feel like it's just kind of up to both of us to come up with okay location you know styling whatever you want to wear if you have multiple styles multiple outfits or whatever if you want people there with you if it's going to be group shot group setting whatever and you know i'll make it happen i'll get the film i'll get the camera we'll get out there and i'll i'll get the shots done and yeah they've all turned out pretty cool uh and I haven't, I haven't charged anyone yet. I still feel like I'm, I know I, a lot of people, you know, people have tipped me. I've definitely gotten tips from everybody and it's been really, you know, I, I appreciate that. I haven't charged anyone because I, I feel like I, you know, these first sessions with people, if it's just been one session with somebody, I almost feel like it's more gratifying for me and for them. If this is kind of an opportunity where, we can just meet each other and we can just get to know each other and figure out each other's styles. And from then on, if we feel like that could work, then we can make it more of a like working relationship. And I can shoot for you at shows. I, you know, I'm comfortable at shows. I can shoot for you if you have another lookbook coming out or an album or whatever down the line. Now, you know me and you know what I'm about and I know what you're about. And, you know, and then we can talk specifics as far as like, you know, maybe maybe i'll charge you for my materials or something i don't care but well i was gonna say i was gonna say like you should be charging well firstly you should be charging because you're using film (laughs) yeah like and it's expensive it is expensive if it was digital you should be charging for i mean i should digital you should be charging for shooting digital because it's it's time and effort you're spending right but if they're coming to you you should charge um my my rule of thumb is that if i want to go to a model because I want to do something myself because I want to do it, then sure, I don't, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to them to pay me. But if they're coming to me, they specifically came to me, then I at least, I at least asked, you know, for right. some kind of money because they came to you specifically. You yeah. Know, therefore, they see, they, therefore, they see value in what you're creating because they came to you. I, I agree. Whether, I fully agree. I fully like, I know that's what I should probably be doing. I mean, it's easier said than done. Trust me. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm well aware it's easier said than done. And when money comes up, it, it can be. I've had very, I've had some experience in the past. I've been very awkward. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like that's just a hurdle you'll have to get over if you want oh, to yeah. make money. And well, the other cool thing that I've gotten to do that you know, I, at the end of the day, yeah, I probably need to charge something because I it is expensive to buy film and get it processed and. Um, but at the, the end of the day, the other thing that I almost always, you know, ask for requests is like, you know, I want everyone I've shopped for so far has sent me their demos, all their music that they're working oh, on. That's good. And that's something that I value a lot is like, yeah. I want to be the first one that listened to your shit. Like, I think that's so fun to be yeah. the first person that got to hear this stuff before it was mixed, mastered, anything like that. It's all demos. I've even had one guy, um, shout out to Johnny. Uh, he goes by super cat and he goes by Johnny Buckskin. He's, I shot photos for him. I posted one the other day, um, in front of the car or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I see, I know he is. Cause he followed me the other day. I yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So he is, you know, he's a blessing. He's the nicest dude. I, I love working with him. Um, he d- gave me a performance. He literally put, he hooked up his phone wow. to my Bluetooth in my car and just, you know, we pulled over at a, at a spot I wanted to shoot and he gave me a performance and I shot some photos of that performance. And that I think is like, 
you know, he could have sent me $30 to pay for my materials or whatever. And, you know, I would have loved it. I would have been very grateful, thankful. We could have made that happen. But I almost feel like in that specific situation, I probably would have found that kind of experience with him being able to hear some of his unreleased stuff straight from his mouth. Like, I think that's so cool. I, I think that story is so cool. And the sto- and the, it shows in the photos that I haven't posted any yet, but it shows in the photos, like how candid and like uh, comfortable that I felt with him and how he felt with me. Like, yeah. I just think like, that's a very valuable experience. Um, but you're right. Eventually, I will have to start not even want to I will have to start charging for materials because it is expensive and I also want to upgrade my gear so that I can get better stuff done I mean I I feel I like I love the stuff that I have already but the camera I use is not a portrait camera it's a it's it doesn't even it has a you know it's a 645 camera with a with a 75 millimeter lens it's not meant for portraits it's meant for you know wide angle landscape shots and stuff so i uh i get it done i make it happen and no one's really the wiser so far everyone's just like yeah it's a cool camera that's true uh but i'd love to i'd love to get a setup that i can use specifically for portraits so that people you know know that i'm real about getting the right photos done (laughs) but I think that's actually very interesting. And that's actually a couple of points that you raised that are actually very interesting. So I think the first is like gear. Like gear isn't always the most important thing as long as the end result is what you want. Um, and I think that's actually a good, really kind of good lesson to remind people that, yeah, you can buy the most expensive camera in the world, but if you have a crap kind of eye for, for mm-hmm. com- composition, your image is going to look terrible. Right. So gear is not everything. Obviously having better gear always helps. Um, because you know it's just great to have like the best thing you can get Mm -hmm. but then also i think you also have to remember that anything you do is an investment into your art in the future like no matter what kind of genre of art you're you're in whether in you know painting or photography or whatever like and you shouldn't be afraid to ask for money just purely because you want to progress right um you know that's and like listen i feel bad i feel like i've said a lot to you like oh you should charge no no no, it's completely up to you (laughs) but i'm really surprised i'm very surprised that you haven't um, just for the caliber of your work and also just because it, it can be a, such a really great niche for you like because like the images are really really cool like i put here um, they're really interesting especially as they feel very natural candid and reflective of the artist as opposed to being too pointed or contrived mm. um, because they, they don't seem like you know they're like oh super staged and super set up and okay we're going to do this specifically and you know drawn out and planned out you know it looks like you've taken the time to listen to the to the music right gone out and have a your relationship with the person you're shooting you're not just absolutely the image and then you're off and i think that reflects on it i'm I'm really surprised that <laughs> you don't charge and i'm really surprised that you know you're only just starting to do it and it's also really interesting because there's another photographer um i don't know you might know him it's called on other film on instagram slash eric uh um, yeah yeah i feel like that sounds he's, familiar he's just i'll send you the link, his link yeah later. please do um but he's just starting to do portraits now and he shot he shoots a lot of like cinematic um landscapes and places um as a lot of film photographers seem to do yeah <laughs> um and it's interesting he's just starting to do portraits as well and i just find that really interesting that like people want to progress and people want to develop um you know i think that's just very interesting that's just yeah it's just it's curious yeah no i think <clears throat> something you i mean you you hit on probably the most important thing with me in almost all my photography is like I want it to feel natural. Like if it's a environmental shot, you know, 
a building or a sign or something. I want it to feel like you just walked by that sign. Like I want, like not everyone will stop and look at that sign. Like I took the photo or whatever, but like, that's the vibe I want to give. And then if it's a portrait, I don't want to make anyone do anything that they wouldn't naturally do. Like, I don't don't want to pose anybody or get them dressed up in anything or make them go anywhere that they like, wouldn't feel, you know, either. I mean, maybe they want to do it or they, they, they find it interesting. think it would make a cool shot, but, but if they don't bring it up and they don't um, like say they want to go out of their comfort zone, I want them to, I want to capture the, the image that, makes them feel most like whatever project they're working on. And like, so far the projects I've heard and the stuff that I've, I've gotten from people has been music. That's pretty reflective of who they are and like their ideas and their mindsets and their personalities and stuff. So it's been really simple to draw or really easy to draw inspiration from those, from those music pieces and kind of construct the shoot that I would want to do with them um someday you know i i'm i think i'm creative i I like to think i'm like somewhat creative as much as like mundane as some of the stuff i shoot is like i still think uh that it's it's creative i would love to do some really like interesting and um posed uh with props and stuff that you know there's something about the detail this is why i love filmmaking so much and cinematography and set design, it's like so much work goes into the detail of a film set um, from, you know, you know, what picture would be hanging behind me right now, what would be on my dresser and like all those things, you know, in a good film and in, in a well-constructed film uh, would be, you know, meticulously thought out. And I don't do that right now with my photos, at least not with portraits because they're environmental. I can't choose what car is going to be there or whatever. Um, But I would love to get into a position and I think it would be a really fun and interesting concept to try to blend those two. It's been done numerous times, but I think that that would be something I would have a lot of fun doing is taking elements from a studio portraiture setting, stuff like, uh, the fashion and the props and stuff like that and putting them in a setting where it feels natural, like a, like a hotel, like a, the front of a motel or a, an auto body shop or something that I would shoot naturally. Like that I think would be a super fun blend of concepts. And I know people would have fun doing it. Like, I, I think I, I, you know, probably the thing that I would put above all else as far as any kind of portrait work and, you know, and the reason why I think, yeah, you're right. I probably should be asking to get paid for these things is that everyone that I've shot with so far is having fun doing it. Like everyone thinks that like at the end of the day, we just kind of were hanging out and I was just shooting some somewhat candid, somewhat posed and, and well thought out. Cause that's important to me photos that I think reflect the work that they're doing. And you know, I, at the end of the day, I want everyone that I shoot with to come away feeling not like that was a business transaction. That was something that, you know, I might never talk to this person again. Like I'm gonna get my photos and that's it. 
I really want to like build the relationships where it's like they come away and they come home like I did the other night from my shoot with Johnny and just start talking about how much fun they had like with their partner or with their you know whatever I came home and I was like yo I meant like Johnny was dope like this is so fun like he has all these great ideas and like we had you know we just drove around talking for like a couple hours and taking photos and stuff I want people to like come home and be like yo I just got back from this shoot with Trent and like this is so fun like so that's really important to me um but yeah I I think the evolution of like kind of what I'm interested in with the photography oh you know, I always love doing environmental, uh, landscape stuff. Um, I want to get into some like more like natural settings too. Uh, Oregon is a really beautiful state. Um, I just want to have fun and, and the portraits are becoming more fun for me. Um, so I'm going to try to do some more stuff like that in the future. So I think that's really interesting because that kind of touches upon actually quite a lot of different questions I was going to ask you, um, which is kind of really funny because now I'm just kind of deciding which one to start with. Um, but I think, firstly, it's very interesting that you chose photography because photography kind of forces you to look at things differently. Mm-hmm. So even if it's like a mundane image of, you know, say like a sign or like a tire on the road, it's like you're forced to notice that. Yeah. Because you're being shown it as opposed to you'd walk past in your everyday life. So it's quite nice that although the images you might shoot might not necessarily be the most quote unquote exciting there's also there's always something to look at right um you know photography is just the act of looking um the forced act of looking i guess <laughs> um so that's really interesting and um, secondly something you mentioned quite a lot and it's something that i mentioned quite a lot is cinematography mm. and the idea of being cinematic and i have a quote here from lewis bolt oh, yeah. that you might like um and it says it might be useful if not necessarily more true to think of photography as a narrow, deep area between the novel and film. Um, I don't know what are your thoughts on that. Mm. I think I mean. Okay, wait. So I, maybe this is just me. I feel like it's not though. Have you ever been like on a bus or in the back of a car? And this sounds really goofy and weird, but you ever been on like a a bus or in the back of the car or on a train or something? And you look out the window and you're thinking about like, man, my, my life is a movie. Like this could be a shot in a movie. You're like out the window, like, yeah. oh man, this could be a movie. I feel like maybe subconsciously, I'm always thinking that way. I'm always like, how, and actually I was talking to another person I worked with the other day. Um, we were talking about like, I someday I would love to get into, or at least take courses or try my hand at screenwriting because I think screenwriting is like one of the most ultimate forms of of directional art like I feel like you like you have to know that this will work to write a screenplay like there's so it's like playing chess with words like you're like this has to make sense and I was talking to him about like almost everything that I do, you know, when I'm conscious of it and maybe subconsciously too, almost everything I do in my mundane daily life is like, how could I make this interesting in a, in a film setting? Like, how could this be like an interesting shot or like, how could this be uh, an interesting form of dialogue or something like that? And the more that I think like that, the more I'm itching constantly to go outside and take photos. Like I, I'm always like if I'm driving down the street or, you know, walking the dog or something and I pass by 
a, a, a sign on the side of the street that looks pretty cool. I'm like, how could this be like the penultimate or the climactic shot in a movie? Like, I, I want to know, like, whatever movie it is, I don't even care what the movie's about. I just want to know, like, how could this be an interesting thing or an interesting image to somebody who's engrossed in a story? And how could this move that, like, push the needle and move that story along? That's so interesting for me to think about. And the more that I've been into, you know, I, I'm not like a, I'm not like a, a film buff. Like I, I don't watch so many movies that, you know, I can like, you know, name all the directors I love and all the producers and cinematographers and stuff. I mean, I know one cinematographer I have immense respect for, and, you know, I will shamelessly say I try to recreate or tap into whatever he's doing is Robbie Mueller, who obviously did Paris, Texas and um, yeah. the night train, a lot of other like amazingly beautiful movies. Um so I'm not like a film buff per se, but the more that I watch movies and the more that I, you know, am interested in film and see, you know, films that aren't like, you know, box office, crazy smash hits like Marvel and all that stuff, because I, I feel like those have their place and they're interesting and they obviously have an amazing following, but that's not really what I'm looking for when it comes to the the imagery the more I see those things, the more my photography has kind of like consumed my free time, <laughs> the more I'm like, I, I want to be able to do that. And it's odd to me because I've never really thought about, you know, actually doing that, like doing film, like moving film very much. It's always been the act of photos and the idea of a, of screenwriting that has interested me. And the middle part has never really like you know, got me that much. I think it'd be fun to like buy a super 16 camera and shoot some film, you know, of my friends or some of these musicians doing stuff and yeah. um, just for my own archives or if they want to use it for something great. But yeah, I don't know. That was a really long winded way of like that quote kind of like, you know, I, I do feel like I'm in that narrow, you know, path sometimes where I'm like, yeah one side of me looks over and it's like, look at all these things I could take photos of. And the other side of me is like, how could that be like such a climactic point in this story? Or like, you know, and that's why I want to like take pictures of a mundane, like dry cleaning spot at night. It's like, there could be a really cool scene in a movie here. <laughs> like, I don't know. But how interesting. That's such an interesting way to think. A search and thing, <laughs> and like that might be your unique perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe I guess but, so. But also, the, the interesting for me there is that, like you said about you know getting a Super Sixteen and shooting stuff for for musicians, like that could be like promo for them. That'd be like a private accompaniment. That'd be like a great safe way for you to shoot film and also it have a purpose. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting. There's a photographer who I always talk about when I talk to film photographers. Um. I say like I've done it more than three times. This is the third time, um, but it's not going to be the last. I've already got the next one in mind. Good, so, good. Um, I'll message. I'll send you that link to that stuff because I love sharing. Yeah, you probably please, know. You please probably send me know any any artist that you think oh, I would like. I, got, obviously, I, I've, I check the Instagram and the website all the time. But <laughs> I've got a list here that I'm going to send. You oh, okay, later. perfect. <laughs> um, but I also need to send these to another artist that I've, I haven't done yet. So I'll send it. I've got like a list on my on my computer. I've got like a sticker note with the artist's name and all the stuff I was going to send them. Like I've got okay, quite a few lists. perfect. Um, can just keep all, and it's good to date with everything. So the photographer that I always talk about is a photographer called Eric Ramirez, um, goes by R4S on Instagram. Um, okay. You might have seen his work. He's from Seattle. 
And oh. he creates, so he shoots these really, really lovely cinematic landscapes, very teal, very orange, has a very, very cool typeface that's mm. very on brand. But he also shoots these really beautiful, really small films. And it's just like a, a really small sweep of down the street. Then he places three of them together. Um, and you see them all move together. Like they're just mm. gorgeous. Like, and I keep commenting on them every single time. I'm like, this is really great. Um, but they're just so gorgeous. And that it, it kind of makes me want to run outside and literally just start taking right, yeah. a film of, of literally anything because it looks so great. Um, I'll send you it later for sure. Eric Ramirez. Uh, okay, yeah, send me that. That sounds familiar. It's great. I, I, if it's in Seattle yeah, probably, too, I'm very tapped into like the Pacific Northwest. You'll probably recognize it if, when I send it to you. Um, he also has a YouTube channel as well, which is totally worth checking oh, okay, out. Cool. And it actually... Not a question I was going to ask, but now I just said that it might be worth asking. Like, would you ever consider slash do you have a YouTube channel? Uh, well, obviously the the podcast does, and you know that's not photography related at all. Um, you know, I I think that I I don't know if I would. I don't know if I do so good on camera or like explaining things uh, in a concise way. I'm kind of like you know, you said you ramble, I ramble a lot too. <laughs> uh, and I also don't know if I have, you know, the YouTube photography community, um, especially the film YouTube photography community is very not oversaturated at all. I think everyone that is big or, you know, is making videos, whether they're have a million subscribers or 10, I don't really care. I think they all have important things to say, and they're all interesting in their own right. And for that reason, I, I don't know if like I could offer that much that's you know different in that way. Um, I do like, like I said, I love the process of film photography. So, you know, I, I think that even just experiencing other people's processes is really interesting. So maybe I would, you know, in the age of TikTok, I know that's like a big thing. I just got a TikTok because my partner kept, telling me to uh you know maybe i would make like some short like process videos for for like a tiktok or for instagram um like story like uh the reels or whatever um but a youtube channel i don't know i also don't really have the knack for like like formatting things like that and i don't know i'd be interested in learning like video editing and stuff like that and uh you know it'd be another thing that i could spend way too much time doing uh i don't know i guess that, <laughs> you're giving me a lot of things that like i have never considered but i by maybe maybe i would consider that like it would be fun for sure um a youtube channel would be really fun i don't have one yet uh maybe in the future though i think tiktok will be something that i i do put some stuff on though the only reason i ask is it's just because you said earlier about being accessible yeah uh, you wanted like bleachy to be accessible and i think about what about your own work like mm -hmm. like obviously your work is accessible it's on instagram but you don't actually have a website which is something yeah. i noticed very very early <laughs> on when i went to go and google you um because what i always do and i'm sure people are probably aware of this but when i before i interview people i will google you okay and i will check your website and i will check any previous interviews you've done and you had none of that yeah and, I'm like, I'm and, off the don't have that, and you don't even have that many images on instagram either no um which is and it's funny because so actually it's hilarious for me because the other two photographers I interviewed, you probably know them actually, Jake C. Fox and yes. Zachary Yanko. Yes. Um, I interviewed them and they both don't have a website either. And I was just a bit like, what is it with film photographers <laughs> and not having websites? 
Um, it was so funny, but it's just it's curious to me because I'm not. I'm you know I don't want to be like come across as like oh you're limiting yourself because you're not because you're happy mm-hmm. with doing what you're doing. But at the same time, it would be very interesting to see maybe kind of you're in an uncomfortable situation and how that will further your work. So maybe if you were on camera on YouTube, or as I said to to Zach, um, do photo walks. You know, take a camera out when you two are together out shooting. You know, to get somebody to take pictures of you or. Mm-hmm gets me to record you watch her out and kind of just you know just show the actual process of how you take the images right not just the actual process of the images themselves like kind of just think about because you know the taking of the images and seeing the final image is like you know the tip of the iceberg when it comes to right. being a photographer totally right. there's so many different aspects like and how can you kind of because you know i'm assuming you want to build community and you want to build audience which you already have like you know at the minute but it's like you want to kind of figure out how to uh, expand upon that. Mm-hmm. No, you. So maybe stuff like that's thinking. You're definitely right. Uh, and the website thing that has been something I. Uh, it's 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 very, <clears throat> you know, it's it's easy enough, and and the resources are there to make a website these days. Like it's not it's not a, by any means it's, it can be as easy as 30 minutes on squarespace or something yeah. like that um to make a website not necessarily anything i'd be extremely proud of but it would be something a domain uh and i've definitely thought about it and i think the thing that held me back about a website is mostly i don't in in the age of social media especially instagram it's easy to have everything right there in one, in one place. Um, which again, like you said, kind of goes against the concept of accessibility because that is only one place and not everyone has Instagram and, you know, uh, but a website is easily accessible if you have an internet. So, um, the thing that held me back was I, I don't know what I could offer on a website that wouldn't be the same scrolling type deal on Instagram. And that's where I do want to start making prints. I put up a story the other day um, about printmaking and, you know, is anyone interested in prints and, you know, some surprise, not, I'm trying to be modest, but unsurprisingly, everyone said, yeah, I want to print, um, which made me happy and made me start considering further, you know, looking at uh, processing labs that do high quality prints and stuff. Um, and I would want to offer that like on my, on my website, if I ever had one where it's something that, you know, people can get something out of it, out of it that they wouldn't be able to get on Instagram, you know, an each a shop feature more images. I want to be able to post more on a website than I would on a, on Instagram. Um, like one thing that, you know, you have to consider, and I think you are considering is like with me, like the photography deal kind of was purely bred out of I I say boredom really like it really was like I was bored and I never thought that I was gonna get you know even when I started the photography stuff I think I had 600 followers and obviously now it's at like 1100 that's not that's not a large following in you know the greater Instagram space but it's a lot and it and that following only started when I purely started posting my film stuff I completely wiped out the rest of my Instagram in November of last year. And since then it's only been my film stuff. And, uh, and then my following has grown a lot. 
So I, yeah, I don't know. I never expected people to like really tap into that very much, like, or be that interested in it. I thought it was just going to be kind of like a hobby thing and I was going to just post it because I want to post it. Um, but now I'm getting a lot of DMs about like getting portraits done or can I get a print? Are you going to put out a zine? Do you have any plans for this stuff? And I've had a couple, I think, uh, film car collective published one of my, or two of my photos or something in their latest magazine. I think Hutspot has an image in one of theirs. So like these kind of things are like, I didn't, I didn't think that was going to happen. And it happened quickly because the pandemic has made everything feel very quick. Of course. Um, so yeah, I think it's stuff that I have thought about, but I probably, I haven't put a lot of thought into it because I've just been so wrapped up in the act of taking photos and just kind of like having a backlog of stuff that I find interesting and maybe we'll do something with someday. But yeah, I think a website would be cool. The YouTube thing, my favorite channel on YouTube is well, a lot of people's favorite channel. Actually, I have two. I want to give two. The, uh, Grainy Days, which is Jason Cumberfelt. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, he's yeah. hilarious. He's like one of the funniest people and his photography is amazing. And he's, uh, his background is in uh, visual effects. So he's like, very talented at uh minute details in his videos that like make it that much more interesting and I, I love that and then my other favorite one is uh zone focused which is i don't remember his real name but um he is a dude that lives in i think he lives in okinawa or somewhere in japan and uh he does a lot of like gear stuff in his videos but I think he's really good about not making a solid like determination on like whether or not you need this or not. Like, I think a lot of his stuff is focused around like, this is the results that you could get, or like this, this might be something you would be interested in if you have this, or if you want to do this, which is really valuable for someone like me, who's still pretty new to photography. Um, like I said, I'm kind of like a sponge about just knowledge. Like I just like learning stuff and anything that, anything that has to do with photography. I've just been, my YouTube recommended videos is all photography stuff. And uh, it's valuable for someone who's new to photography to just like hear somebody who's been doing it a long time, just kind of explain things. And like, I've always thought that his channel is really good. And he's, and he's just like a good photographer as well. Like has very nice images and so yeah, if if I ever did do YouTube, I would want it to be something that's more like slice of life type deal where, like you said, maybe it is just a photo walk and I'm sure my partner would be gracious enough to follow me around <laughs> with my, with my film can or with my, uh, my Canon or my iPhone or something and just film me doing yeah, stuff. But you don't even need, you don't really need that much equipment. You just need somebody else to be there to do exactly. it. So yeah, it's interesting. It's something that I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to doing I, I just don't know if i've ever like sat down and been like i'm gonna do that but which to be honest is it's, it's easier said than done and yeah. i'm very aware that like having a youtube channel isn't just oh yeah cool we post a video there's a lot that goes into right. it right that's like that's a whole separate business really that concludes the first part of my conversation with trent loader Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at flyingfruitball at gmail.com or via social media sites such as Instagram. 
Flying Football Podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, or subscribing on any of those platforms to help spread the word. Also, please check out theflyingfruitball.co.uk for daily art inspiration and for written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured on interviews. We now also have a Patreon page if you're interested in supporting the platform further. We now also have a Patreon page if you're interested in supporting the platform further. Tiers start from £1 and for more information, head on over to patreon.com forward slash theflyingfruitball. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the episode today. Until next time, folks, please stay safe.